0: things like chiro's when you having that kind of regular adjustment to making sure you just you're on top of stuff we, we send a lot of our members your way again if we if they've got little niggles and stuff and the, the majority of them who sort of listen to us and go and do it come back and after their treatment end up a being you know being able to move better the pain sort of subsides and stuff but they become more aware of what's causing their injuries and then how to manage it um and i think definitely see people who do it regularly we see them with less injury.
1: thanks Ash from Evolve Fitness Gyms 365. Uh, he's obviously a big fan of Cairo for himself and for his members but you know first of all let's just have a listen to Ash's story where he's basically journeyed from a humble PT working the outdoor parks to a gym owner uh, for in Fulham Road 365 Fulham Road um in 2016 he opened up and yeah since he's opened up we've forged a really great relationship with him and his team he has a great community we're super happy to be part of that community and we cover everything in this talk it's an hour long sit back and get yourself ready for everything to do with exercise and fitness body image nutrition chiropractic uh the influence of life uh this transformations sort of stuff you see at gyms where they kind of look at the before and after and whether that's healthy or not or whether there's a place for that or not and basically just general banter so i hope you enjoy this chat uh he's pretty easy to talk to so ash over to you g'day mate how you doing very good welcome to insta live cairo london style (laughs) it's the way of the world these days isn't it it's so weird how it's become like remote or virtual chats is just a thing now yeah it did as well i think i've never
0: um i don't think i've spoken to as many people ever really it's just i think everyone's now got to the point where that it's kind of made it a lot more accessible to catch up with people chat because everyone's finding time in their diaries when the when the world is going as it normally is is quite difficult whereas now we've all got this time to kind of create new content chat to people and uh, make some good connections so it's enjoyable
1: well you know my pet hate though is this whole term social distancing right where it's probably, <laughs> um it should be physical distancing but like social multiplication or something you know like yeah <laughs> uh you you know we should be reaching out making sure that everyone's okay as opposed to just hiding in the houses and uh hoping that we're all going to get through this you know so agreed agreed but look uh thanks for coming on today anyway obviously the 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 aim of the exercise is I'm trying to sort of get as many different people on here as we can especially those who uh, have been mandated to close and have been probably put at a bit of a disadvantage over this whole scenario. I know, you know, all gyms are obviously having to shut down, but yeah. sure, and I wanted to chat to you about how you have, sorry to use the word, evolve. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we picked it. <laughs> <laughs> evolve the strategy to yeah. incorporate You know, I can imagine, because, well, look, tell us a little bit about yourself before I go off on a tangent, um, where you are and the whole thing, and then um, let's see where this thing takes us, okay?
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, I'm, I'm actually, I stayed in London, so we um i I've got a, a place in Fulham, and the, the gym is on the new King's Road near Putney bridge um so I always had the option my parents I grew up in the West country, so my my folks still live out that way um but I think every the first lockdown and this lockdown it's for me it was kind of i i guess it's easy to be around the gym. I still go in most days and do all of our kind of live stuff from there um it was the yeah, go to the West Country. Not sure if the internet works. um So you have all that kind of that worry living in a small village, whether or not you're actually going to have any decent connection, which would then p- kind of put a stop to what we wanted to do. And for me, it's just as well. You know, like the, the first lockdown, I saw a completely different side of London. I actually stopped and enjoyed London for what it was. I I, I did a lot of walking. I wandered around. I took a lot of photographs. You know, it's kind of I allowed myself to do will see a different side of London um so yeah I'm currently here still sort of uh I spend most of my time in my flat like most people um but I guess I have the luxury of like I said going to the gym daily walking uh, a 10 minute walk and, and getting out of where I'm at um and uh, I've been been in London now been in London 10 years I think um so my kind of my journey started uh Like I said, a West Country boy, grew up in in the countryside, Uh, played sport, was always competitive at sport. Um, Like most people, tried every different sport I could and ended up being, you know, a a kind of okay footballer. So that was kind of my main sport. Um, That took me into my degree, which was in sports coaching and uh, my dissertation was in sports psychology. So I kind of thought I was going to go and do a master's in sports psychology. That was that was the dream. And then, like most people, finished uni and uh, ended up working in sales and recruitment and other sorts of roles. Um, and just kind of, a, I guess, having spent all my life in education and not having a break, I just thought, right, actually, earning money, you know, living a normal life felt quite good. Um, I went travelling, you know, sort of did the usual stuff. And then I think I'd worked for seven years in various roles and just decided, actually, you know what, I, I don't enjoy the office life. I don't enjoy office politics. Um, I'm a fairly active person. So I actually found my way back into coaching. I I, I kind of got made redundant from a company I was working with um, who went into the administration um, and just took it as as an opportunity to kind of reassess what I wanted for my life. And uh, I fell back into fitness and sport, the things I kind of had a passion for. Um, And yeah, decided to get my personal training qualification, which was must have been 11 years ago, I think. Something like that. So, yeah, it's slowed by. It's slow, right? And then that, that was – it was uh, – I kind of always set out with, uh, I guess, the goal of if I'm going to be a personal trainer, I only want to do two things. That's either work in professional sport, having gone to a, a kind of a good sports university and, and worked around professional athletes and, you know, throughout uni. Um, it was that or a gym. So I always had a goal in mind what if I if I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be for those two reasons. Um I kind of quickly realised professional sport wasn't something for me. A there's not very much money in it, and B, there's not very many job roles in it either. So I kind of thought, right, that's that gone. Um and then yeah, sort of set on the path to to open a gym and it took me nine years or so, but I got there in the end.
1: So well, I mean, that was one of the questions I had, though, is because obviously there's a lot of trainers out there. I assume you went through the route of sort of working in other gyms, or maybe even yeah. where you other gyms, or working for yourself, or you know, um, how did you decide to make that decision to take the massive one? So, yeah, a gym? I was.
0: So I um, I've always been a bit. I guess it's it's part confidence, part sort of stupidity part of arrogance really where i whatever, whatever job i've worked in, i always thought i could do this myself when i was a recruitment consultant i thought i could be a rec- i could own a recruitment consultancy it. it's simple pick up a phone speak to enough people make enough sales and that's that's always been my attitude with a lot of things um and i was kind of working in sales jobs and competing in the evening i was still living in the west country and uh had an opportunity to come to London. So a partner I was with at the time, her brother was working in London as a PT, um, and sort of said to me, look, if you want to make a go of it, I can get you an interview. And there's actually um, a Pilates place, there's boot camp Pilates. Um, so I thought, right, let's, you know, I'll come up, had an interview with them. I essentially kind of got offered a training role, which was train with us. We can't offer you any work, but, you know, come and do the training, we'll see where we're at. So uh, I went home, spoke to my then partner and said listen you know let's go to london so i had i was commuting from wiltshire from chippenham to london every monday afternoon training for four hours commute back working week and then eventually a month later just made the commitment to move down um so that was my kind of opportunity so i was i had the luxury of getting to london and coming into a role and although there's no guarantee it meant that I got off at hours quite quickly. I then built up my hours there. So I never worked in a pure gym or a, you know, a kind of globo gym as we call them. I never had to do the floor walks and stuff like that. I walked into, at the time, one of the best Pilates studios in London that had a reputation for being one of the best. Um, I was in front of Notting Hill set, you know, from day one. Um, so my kind of experience was picking up clients from there. And I started working in Kensington Park I started working in Maida Vale and um, Paddington Rec all in the parks around London with a kettlebell a TRX a mat um, a couple of bands you know and that was that was me really um, I started a boot camp in Highbury Fields as well because I was kind of living in that area so I, I did that and then from there I just picked up little bits of work in, in various different places um, and again the whole I had an opportunity which I mean looking back I'm so glad it never came to anything but I had an opportunity to open a Pilates studio um a friend's dad was going to back us and we had you know a ludicrous amount of money to go and open something and I was two years into the industry and I was like yeah I know everything let's do this and then luckily it never went ahead because I would have absolutely bombed (laughs) I would have just again it was pure you know stupidity confidence arrogance whatever it might have been but I was like you know I could do this it seems simple um the reality was I was very green didn't know anything about business you know I was making an okay living as a PT and I thought well that's that's what it takes right and uh so yeah so that fell through but um I then kind of fell into another gym um and met a trainer at a I think it was a kettlebell conference or like a workshop for the weekend uh, and he owned a gym in Clapham and we got talking and he said look, we're looking for trainers um and I, I kind of started just doing ad hoc stuff with him and building up clients there before I I, I sort of made, I suppose, a full time move into uh, into his gym as a freelance trainer. So I uh, still under my own brand um, and I still had clients outside of the gym. So I was kind of split, you know, 70 percent of the time working out of the gym and I'd still then go and do six or seven clients in the parks of London. Um, and that's where I met my now business partner, Dave. Um, and it just kind of, again, it was. We went in there thinking, right, this is a this is a stopgap. Um, this is a place to get more experience to understand how a gym is run. It was a small independent studio, so again, looking at how they run it, what they do, the kind of good from it, the bad from it, um, and what can I take to then eventually get my own space. Um, and I think uh, it, it probably I was there for four and a half years, and I learned. You know, we learned a lot. It's myself, Dave, and another guy, Shane. Um, And we all helped kind of grow the business from, he'd only been open like a year, six months maybe. And we we kind of sort of grew it all together. Um, And I got to a point where I guess it was leave London, get out of training. And I kind of, I was at a stage where I thought if I don't own my own space, I don't want to be in other people's gyms, I don't want to be earning other people money. And I don't want to be a 40 year old PT with still lugging stuff around London. Um, So I made the decision to, quit it all leave London give up on it and and that week I did that me and Dave found a space <laughs> so <laughs> it was like okay uh let's do it you know it, I, I kind of um that's actually what my opportunity was to go back and work with my dad again what year was that that you just? Uh, this was 2016 we opened Evolve
1: okay.
0: yeah
1: so look let me just stop you before you go into the 2016 and sort of the next chapter of like starting in place which uh, i can't wait to get into but so were you were you trained as a pilates instructor as well at Bootcamp pilates
0: no so the way it really worked with, uh, with boot camp was uh, as long as you were a level three personal trainer You'd then go in and do in-house training. So it was it was reformer Pilates, right? So we were taught how to use a reformer. We were taught how to, uh, I guess, the kind of fundamentals of Pilates. So I went in there again as a quite a new PT, but having had a background in, in fitness and sport and training. um And I, I quite quickly understood that I could create a boot camp class. You know, I know how to make things hard, and I have things to make things high energy. That's that's kind of part of what I do. But the big thing for me is I didn't have any Pilates background so I spent the first six months going to every single uh, class that was taught by a traditional Pilates instructor or a ballet dancer or a dancer and understood got a real understanding right how how do they adjust the body what are they looking for you know how do they explain the exercises how do they explain um, the kind of different alignment parts and so for me I was uh, quite quickly got a kind of built to follow him because I had that ability to make classes hard, which was, it was bootcamp Pilates or everybody wanted, but I also understood my limitations that were that I wasn't traditionally trained as a Pilates instructor. So I had to really learn that side of it. But the reality was that it was, um, yeah, it was a group fitness class just with the name Pilates in it. And so as long as you taught you, were, as long as we taught their methodology, it was okay.
1: Is, is boot camp, what, what are they doing these days, boot camp? Boy. They're
0: still going. Yeah, they're still going. So I, I worked over Notting Hill. At the time, we would kind of, um, there was us, Hardcore, and Ten, but like the only three kind of big Pilates studios. So we had, you know, anybody and everybody would walk through the doors. There were magazines all the time, TV stuff. And over the years, it kind of got watered down. Now, as as I went on, I started, we had some phenomenal trainers who I got taught by a guy who's got a place in Fitzrovia called Dimitri, um, and just, he was incredible. And then everybody started to do their own thing and obviously build their following and move off to do their own thing. And they kind of got, it got watered down a little bit. So the training wasn't quite as good there. The instructors coming through weren't quite as good. I worked with Harry Rowland. Oh, yeah. um, so yeah, so me and Harry, I trained Harry to become instructor so again I kind of trained him in the methods we were trained in um but it just uh it kind of got watered down Today, I know they've got a place still in Fulham I think they've got one in Richmond um I believe they still got the one in Notting Hill but okay people came in
1: about you and let's go into then the 2016 chapter of Evolve so I love that idea where you've just kind of gone well look I could do this in the park uh for the rest of my life or i could just throw myself in the deep end and i mean the space you have in fulham road looks great um and you've you. done a great job in you must have walked in there and gone i uh, i can really see us being here right um well tell us yeah
0: Sorry. It's, it's an interesting one again so dave and i met um God, eight years ago i think it was maybe maybe a bit longer um and quite quickly just sort of figured out we had very similar ethos in our work balance, uh, sorry, in our work ethic, in our the way we train people in in nutrition and everything else. And so we actually started off um, doing an online nutrition business. And as we were doing the online nutrition business, we, we sort of said, you know, the next logical step is to get our own space. Again, we're, we're doing everything together. Let's see if we can get a space. Once we found when we found this place, you, we walked in, it was complete shell, absolutely empty. Um, it was uh, full of the builders, so the, the landlord owned the flat above it and, and everything else. And it was full of all this stuff. We kind of walked in and it, it's one of those things where you look around and you think, oh, I don't know if this is working in a gym or not, but there's not a lot in the market. We've been looking at you know, various things around and there's not an awful lot of stuff around. Um, but you walk in with a vision of as long as we clear this place out we've got enough space we'll be fine so version one of evolve is very very different to version three of evolve that we have now um and again that was you know we we went in with a a set budget we didn't have a, a, a you know vast sums of money um we knew exactly what we wanted to do which was create a space that was not full of kit that was usable rather than having you know endless bits of kit nobody actually needs to take up space. So we did a lot of group classes to begin with. So before F45s and Orange Theories and all these other companies were around, we were doing group classes You know, of what F45 now I think they've invented, we've been doing for eight years. So for us, it was very much, right, we need space basically to have 20 people in a room, We need dumbbells, kettlebells, battle ropes, a ski erg, everything that you can keep off the floor and have as much space as possible. So we quickly did that, Um, but it was, we we had the luxury of a complete empty space where we could design it as we went. So the builders were very good. We'd walk in and say, I don't think that works. Can you change it for us? You know, it was, we we had a great team that helped us on that. But again, a lot of it was looking back on it now, we did the bare minimum we needed to, to get open and then we have changed it three times to fit our product um, and what we offer. Um, and with also four and a half years of learning under our belt of what works, what doesn't, what we need, what we don't need. Um, and it is, it, tell us
1: what your product is then, right? Because you've obviously walked into this space and you've gone exercise. It's like there could be like a hundred different things we do in here. Um, yeah. And you've probably, as the the name implies, evolved it over those few years that you've been there. But yeah, what what is the product, and what sort of you know sets you apart from, or not sets you apart, but why have you gained such a, a good following within your community?
0: So, Dave and I have always been. Uh, we worked in a gym that was you know, successful because it had a community. So. The, the fundamental thing we wanted to do was, first and foremost, create a community. It was, it's, it was less about the training and more about how do we make people feel the minute they walk through the door. So when we were opening, we always remember a stat that was given to us that 14% of people have a gym membership. Right? And the rest of the world does not have, doesn't have a gym membership, not because they're lazy, but because quite a lot of the time it's an intimidating place to walk into to walk through the doors of a, of a space where you think everybody's fitter than you or everybody's healthier, whatever it might be, is, is really, really difficult. So for us, it was setting about, right, how do we first of all take that away? What, do we, what can we do to make space, you know, welcoming? And again that comes down to don't don't fill it with lots of kit people don't know how to use etc but the other part of it was we so we knew we were going to do group classes um and originally we were always going to do one-to-one pt and um, and then we kind of got involved within a network of gyms literally three months before we are about to open and uh the kind of semi-private training was just starting to kind of build in this country so essentially it's it's personal training and a small group of up to six people say um everything is still tweaked and tailored to the individual but you're you're doing it within a community of people so it's way more motivational it's a lot more fun it's more social it has the elements of um you know being around people at the same time although you're also getting you know your individual training but the biggest thing it makes it more cost effective so for us we had the we kind of we ripped our business plan up and said right let's you know let's do the semi-private model let's see how it works and for us it's been you know the luckiest and best business decision we ever made so we essentially offer like a gym membership that that gives people the ability to train in a strength focused training session um uh, up to three times a week depending on their membership and then also within our membership they get group fitness classes so you know traditional high intensity sort of circuit style classes so we encompass everything into one membership which again means for a price people can get to, could train six days a week if they wanted to and have a combination of both strength focused stuff that's tailored to them and then more of the kind of high intensity fun enjoyable you know high heart rate stuff um but the yeah the biggest thing for us is the community it's you know that the reason we've kind of built our reputation is without doing ourselves a disservice our training is our training it's very good but you can squat Deadlift push pull in every single gym across the world at any point you want to, but what we do differently is we make people feel like I said unintimidated to come into a gym they 're part of a of a community where there's no egos there's there's no idiots everybody's there to i mean essentially we 're in parson's green everybody's there to try and still eat good food go out for nice drinks and not put weight on and <laughs> we're very we're very honest about that you know we're we don 't do transformations we're not we 're not a gym that um it gives people, I guess, physique-based goals. A lot of people come in and they say, I want to lose weight. And the goal we then create for them is, okay, let's get some consistency in your training. Let's get you adding 10% to your deadlift. And the byproduct of that, if you're eating better and sleeping better and moving more, you're going to lose weight. But let's focus on the things we can control. Because once you leave my gym, I can't control what you eat. I can't control what you do. But I can control everything you do within our four walls. So as long as we get that better, naturally the kind of, you know, the carryover of that is you're going to make better decisions when you eat, you're going to make better decisions on your sleep and your movement. And we advise people on obviously how to do that.
1: So what's the, you know, because uh, you touched on that point about things like, you know, the the whole philosophy behind exercise. And I was sort of wanting to ask you this thing about, you know, is in your definition of why should people exercise um what what do you put at the top of the list or, or or what what are the most important things for you is it is it health is it how they look is it weight loss is it body function is it getting that six pack you know that I, 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 you I, yeah or after this concept thing too
0: yeah i'm listen, i'm not it's not that i hate it i think i think there's a transformations are great i i, I think it's, i've done it me and dave did a to t- to launch our nutrition business and, you know god this was how many years ago now six years ago we did a 12 week transformation ourselves across christmas so we actually finished up with a photo shoot on 20th of december so we did it to prove that you can go out for drinks you can have parties you can eat and everything else So i'm I'm not opposed to that at all and we do we do shorter challenges with our that. but for me the biggest thing about training is people people feel and find that confidence that you know potentially didn't have like moving more and being healthy and being fitter is different to everybody so my reasons for training could be very different to yours which will be very different to to today's you know whatever it might be we'll all have us our own goals but the biggest thing is is for us is giving someone a space whatever their goal is to come and do it consistently and feel confident and comfortable doing it um it's difficult I, i don't think i'd ever really tell someone that their goal is is wrong. If someone wants a six-pack, that's fine. I'll find out the reasons why, and I'll delve deeper into okay, what you know, what is it that drives you about this you know, the the kind of process of wanting a six-pack, and then make sure they're fully aware of the requirements it takes to get the six-pack. Um, a lot of the time, people's goal is are, are here, and what they're willing to sacrifice is there. And it's like, well, if you want to have that cover model body, kiss goodbye to your social life. Make sure you've got Tupperware full of food all the time. And then some people go, really? Can I not drink on the front? I'm like, no, this is, if you want this, this is your sacrifice. If if that's not what you're willing to sacrifice, let's change your goal until it meets where you're willing to sacrifice. So fitness for everybody is very different. For me, it's about, I I train more for longevity these days than I do for anything else. I'm not, I'm never going to create, I'm never going to hit a PB anymore. I'm never going to lift what I used to be able to lift. I'm never going to play competitive sport. So it's, you know, train for longevity.
1: Well, I guess that's the answer then, isn't it? You know, I mean, uh, exercise is an individual thing that everyone has a different outcome in mind, don't they? And yeah. So long as you can sort of tap into that individual outcome and you can work with someone to get there. And as you said, so your model of either doing it one-on-one if you need a lot of motivation or one-on-one, if yeah. you don't have a lot of that sort of direct contact, then you can just join the group, you know. But And is it groups of four for
0: the... Uh, so it, it was groups of four until... Post-COVID, we've now moved to groups of six. So although we have more people per group, they have more space because we now split the group across two pods. So we've, we have like a pod system, which um, we have a squat rack, which every, every squat rack has its own set of dumbbells, kettlebells, weight plates. So now instead of having four people per pod, we have three, three per pod of one coach managing both of it. Um, so we have to change a few things post-COVID, but it's actually sort of streamlined the business um yeah. and actually made it probably a better product uh which is a kind of blessing in disguise
1: so i wanted you to go into that nutrition side of things as well do you still run in a separate nutrition company or is it actually like a thing which you try and incorporate into when people come into so
0: we've started doing that now um so essentially we've started we, at first we kind of stopped doing a lot of nutrition because we just didn't have the time but we now do uh i guess they're called like 30-day accelerator programs um like six-week programs so what we'll do is we'll, we'll get a group together they will have a, a, like a real focus on nutrition for a six-week period where we'll kind of dial into their calorie intake and um, we look at their movement outside the gym we look at kind of what they're eating and you know when they're eating it um and we have a Group session on a Tuesday evening where they all come in for a kind of training session together. So we create again within our community. We kind of create an individual community in smaller numbers. We can focus on it. On top of that, we kind of when everyone joins with us, they do a thirty-day trial. And as part of that thirty-day trial, um, we take them through the basics of nutrition. So I think people people overcomplicate nutrition a lot more than it needs to be. When we when we start, a lot of people think about the one percent things. Way more than they need to, when actually it's the other 99% of things they're not getting right, and it's it's kind of that hierarchy of needs. Everyone thinks, God, what supplements should I take? You know, what what should I? What time should I be eating my lunch and my dinner? When the reality is, first and foremost, it's quality of food, um, and then it's energy balance. And until you have addressed those two things, looking at the rest of it is there's no point because you can take all the supplements in the world, and you can, you know, you can time your meals perfectly. But if you're still eating 4,000 calories when you should only be eating two, it doesn't matter. And that doesn't matter whether it's you know, 4,000 calories of avocado, broccoli and nuts or 4,000 of McDonald's. It's still 4,000 calories of which you need to change. So we have a very kind of simplistic approach to nutrition. And we try and get people, we try and educate people into the, you know, fundamentals of this is what we need to understand. This is what we need to kind of look at first and foremost. And then as their ed- kind of, I guess, their knowledge level starts to get better, we can then dial in a little bit more into the specific nuances for that person and their lifestyle. Because I could give you the best scientific diet in the world now, but if it doesn't fit around your lifestyle, it's not going to work. So it, therefore, that diet doesn't work. So we try and take everyone as an individual case and say, right. If I'm asked you to hit X amount of protein, but you can't get protein via this source, then there's no point in me just ramming down your throat. You have to do this. We have to look at your lifestyle and understand, okay, uh, is it because, you know, you might be working late every evening, therefore you don't get a proper meal. It might be that you're, you're running from meeting to meeting. It, you know, it could be you've got a high stress life, it, all these other things that actually have to look at what we're trying to prescribe and think, does it actually fit for you? Because if it doesn't, Rather than trying to fit your life into the diet, we need to fit the diet into your life. So that, that, that's how we've always worked with people, and it's we're able to get results because we're not we're not forcing things that seem we're we're not trying to change people's lives drastically. So there's, there's no point.
1: But uh, so so that's uh, the, the answer to that question. Though is that it's effectively a kind of nutritional coaching service that you would offer for new members coming in, try and train them into the habits that are going to support the the workouts or the, the programs or the goals that they have, um, and yeah. that's, that's, that sort of support you lend to your community. Um, yeah. And, but then do, do you also have some, like are you by nutrition company? You talk about, you have food and supplements that you can sell to the guys as well.
0: Or? No, no, we no, we don't do anything like that. So, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. The the reality is, uh, within, <laughs> I guess I don't care what people eat as such because it still doesn't matter. You could, you could be vegan, whatever diet you choose, we basically say, make sure 80% of your calories come from things we know are nutritious. Now, if I have to have a conversation with someone and explain to them that broccoli is better than a Mars bar, we're probably, we're probably at a different level that we need to kind of take a few steps back. But but 99.9% of people all understand what when we say what good food stands for what we mean we're not demonizing anything we're not telling them they can't eat anything but we all know that try and get as many vitamins and minerals get a good quality protein source lots of fruit and veg right so once people understand that for us it's i don't care what your diet is i'm not i'm not going to tell you because if you're a vegan for for your reasons that's fine i don't need to have a conversation about that but the fundamentals of it stay exactly the same. So for us, it's about understanding, right, once once we tell you the fundamentals of what we need you to do in terms of calorie intake, et cetera, how you then do that is down to you to fit your life. So we don't we don't sell supplements, we don't write meal plans. I'm not going to say to someone, 6 30 a.m., I want you to have three egg whites, one egg. I haven't got time and I just there's too many kickbacks. If I don't like that, and what if I'm not what if I'm not up at 6 30 a.m.? Or what am like, listen guys. But here's what you gotta do.
1: I, I love the idea of keeping it simple, which is uh I think a good good uh philosophy for anything really. Everything, yeah, everything and anything, yeah. Uh, is you know, if you're uh ex- if you're expelling two thousand calories and you're eating four thousand, you're doing it wrong. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, so you did touch on this thing though where Yeah, the whole COVID thing has been a struggle for, you know, which is the reason why we kind of got everyone on here. But it sounds like you have done quite a good job of, and I think, you know, uh, us as chiropractors, we've we've changed some of the things we do like it all started with us having one person in the building and out of the building at the same time and then sort of s- slowing everything down a little bit and then you know it sort of it changed some of the ways we we did things and ended up being quite positive for us really in the long run And it sounds like it's been a similar thing to you where you've yeah. f- about it maybe you were trying to do something pre-COVID, that now you're doing slightly differently post-COVID. In fact, I had a chat to Sammy just before I um, called you, and she was saying you guys were, like, flat out between the, the yeah. lot, um, but probably flat out in a slightly different version of things, right?
0: Yeah, so I, I, Dave, Dave and I, the reason Dave and I work so well together because we're, we're pretty optimistic people at the best of times. So we've always kind of been, with the whole thing of COVID, it was like we can't do anything about the COVID situation but what we can do is everything about how we handle it as a business so for us we closed the gym down um two days before we were kind of told by the government to close the gym down and by the Monday I think so the Friday they told us to close down by the Monday we would gone online with every aspect of our business so we did all of our we gave out all of our kit to all of our members we basically said look come and grab a dumbbell or a kettlebell or a weight belt. just something so when you're at home you've got some some kits to train with um, and we then ran our pretty much our full diary of semi-private PT um, and group fitness classes via Zoom, which was, uh, it, it was interesting at times, <laughs> trying, to get, trying to coach people when, I mean, literally, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm, I'll go off screen, but people <laughs> when literally like this is what you see and you're like, uh, I'm trying to teach you a hip hinge, I need a little bit more, or like a better camera angle. Come back, yeah yeah so so we did that we also the biggest part of us again i kind of go back to we're we're a community we have 120 odd members we are a community of people so for the, the 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 biggest thing that we did was right what what have we got to do to look out for our members some members live on their own and have no human contact and for them coming to the gym isn't to to train coming to the gym is somewhere to be a part of the community and uh, and feel social and have that kind of familiarity so as soon as that's taken away from them and they're sat in front of the camera all day on their own we gave them a lifeline of an hour a day maybe for, for them to see familiar faces hear familiar voices have a you know have a laugh at the people that they share pretty much every day of their life with within our gym so we did socials, we did, every Thursday night we had pub quiz or we had um, Pictionary, we did, I think we did karaoke one night, we did, you know, we just basically did everything. We did a wine tasting, um, everything basically. So, so that was within the lockdown um, and we had, again... It, that supported me and Dave as much as it was us supporting them because it gave us that lifeline of keeping busy, not stressing about the money that was disappearing out of the business when people had to leave for various reasons. Um, but it also gave us an opportunity to look at our business and say, right, we have a clean slate. We're, we're basically opening with a completely clean slate because things we might have wanted to change whilst we were running before. What always that fear of, but if we do this, that's going to upset this group of members. And if we do that, that potentially upset this group of members. So you then don't make decisions because you think, ah, there's probably going to be a bit too much kickback. Well, we could reopen to say, well, guys, you've not done anything for four months. within the gym. So this is what we now look like as a, as a business this is how we run things. This is our schedule. And there could be no kickback because no one no, no one had been in the gym for four months so for us it was amazing it was like right okay these are all the things we've wanted to change over the last three years and for one reason or another had it And they weren't they weren't massive changes they were you know the, a small schedule change here and there taking a few things out swapping the stuff away um so yeah we came out of it and then I, uh, we have the luxury of being in a residential area full of people who would probably usually work in the city would see a trainer there would train in the gym and none of them are going back to work now we've obviously got four and a half years of of background as well so our our kind of reputation is there i i've we, i mean we've never been so busy in terms of people wanting to train with us, which is it's been amazing um but obviously threw up its own difficulties as well of going from having just the three of us as coaches, so myself Dave and our coach Nick, to suddenly thinking right how <laughs> how how do you thought these people in the gym? We don't want our current members who've been with us for years to feel like they're not also getting the the service they they deserve um we also have got to kind of give the service to the new members coming in and show them what the evolved way is like so it was it was a juggling act but i mean we've come through it pretty well and i'd rather be in that position than sort of scrabbling for for members and worrying about what we're going to do and it's given us the opportunity to look at new staff members as well to come in and and kind of expand the business so listen it's been tough it's been sounds really stressful
1: well, well done for sort of getting through that, because you know I've, I've obviously spoken to others who are, you know, obviously that initial lockdown one where everyone was freaking out and canceling their membership or stopping doing anything basically, and then uh, it sounds like you kept the community spirit alive enough to sort of weather that to a degree. You obviously was a drop, but then yeah, but then it sort of built up in sort of after lockdown to one,
0: yeah,
1: and then kind of built up to this point where probably lockdown two, it sounds like you haven't had much of a drop off at all. Cause
0: Yeah, it's been. I I mean, lockdown one, we said to everyone because I think we all knew it was going to be long, a longer process. Month one, everybody was fine. People were like, "Listen, you know, we'll see what happens." But we gave everybody opportunity. We said, "Right, either continue to pay your current monthly subs, or drop down to an online version of our price, or you can freeze your membership completely." It's entirely up to you. There's going to be no hard feelings or anything. You know, we're, we're all in this together. We were fortunate enough to have a really core base of memberships that stuck by us and, and then the people who just couldn't afford it would drop down and then people some people left for various reasons but we, we saw it through the, the bounce back I think everyone knew this lockdown was just going to be a month so again and people have done four months of training online the the kind of I guess people's thought process of training online has changed before when you talk to someone about training on zoom before lockdown one everyone's like I'm not really into it yeah. At the end of lockdown, everyone's like, are you going to keep the online stuff going? Because it's been really beneficial if I'm away for work or if I'm just stuck in a meeting and I can't get to the gym. It's given me the opportunity to train. So I think everyone's sort of outlook on training completely changed, which you know, it massively helped us. Um, so but yeah.
1: Record the line, like when you get back on next week, are you going to kind of have a camera on you while you're training live
0: no no no. so so for us we always said we'll never if if we're trying to kind of combine the two in that way we're either going to take our eye off the people in the gym and they won't feel like they're getting the service they're paying for or the people at home same thing they're not getting it so we either do online sessions where it's fully online or we do in the gym in gym sessions so you can book into a semi-private online um and you know whether you've got your dumbbell kettlebell at home and obviously the numbers are completely different you know now we're getting full diary and when we get back it'll be ones and twos again but as we kind of have found out it was worth keeping our online sort of system going because it meant as soon as we got told about the second lockdown we had the ability to within a day to say right the diary's closed give us a day to sort of rebuild the diary and then we're back into online training again so
1: so, look, as uh, given that this is the Cairo London um, Insta slash podcast, <laughs> I always turn these to a podcast because I'm sure people yeah. like to listen to your dulcet tones.
0: Yeah. While,
1: um, you're a bit of a fan of Cairo, too. And in fact, I was thinking we should have yeah. actually got Sammy Kale to do this interview with you because I'm sure it would have been way better than me. Uh, certainly, way <laughs> than my head. I think she's definitely got me there. Um, but uh, tell us a bit about how you use Cairo and, and whether you think it's a good idea for people to do that or
0: not. Yeah, because I um, I started using Cairo, I saw Sammy now, must have been a year, a year and a half, maybe less than a year and a half ago, about a year or so ago. For me, I'd had an ongoing neck injury that kind of came out of nowhere. It actually came at um, Dave's 30th birthday party. And I think a lot of it had come from, I just do a lot of Olympic lifting. Um, and one of the things of Olympic lifting, I won my coach, an amazing coach, but one of his things was you just need to get stronger. And having worked in the industry for quite a while, I knew that I had certain limitations in my mobility. So I think a lot of the overhead stuff over time had just created a bit of an issue with my neck. And then working and you know, everything else. We're in an industry where we don't rest much at all. So I just remember one day it came on and I had this kind of uh almost like neural feeling. Every time I put my head back, coming all the way down to my fingertips. Um, and being the typical male personal trainer, I ignored it for the best part of a year. And I tried everything, tried mobility, tried stretch, et cetera, Couldn't couldn't do anything about it. Um and so I kind of bit the bullet cause Sammy had come in and she's training with us, and uh I went to see her. And so for me it's been it kind of started off as almost managing it um, and just getting the weekly adjustments and making sure that i was back in alignment and you know stiff around most parts of my body i'm sort of i'd like to think i'm fairly mobile but you know like most people i don't move anywhere near as much as i used to um so for me it started it with that and so it was just a weekly thing of going to see sammy being readjusted and it took probably a good six months for for my neck to start feeling better but it it was almost like two or three adjustments and suddenly then it was just right, now we've kind of got on top of it and it's now about managing it. So I'm at the point where I probably see Sammy twice a twice a month maybe. There's you know, if we're super busy I might not get in as much as I want to. Um but it's from that kind of point of it flicking, I've now I have very, very limited uh sorry, very, very little issue with my neck. And that's going from every single day waking up in pain every time I put my head back feeling that neural kind of um a new thing down to my fingertips and stuff. The other the other side of it is where my back goes. So I've had um a couple of kind of again just ongoing back issues where you know I, I might deadlift and I get a bit overexcited and my back goes or squat and again um I it's almost I hobble in, you know, with without any ability to move and 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 Sammy has to put me back together again. Um, and again every single time she's had the ability to do that so it's um yeah listen i've always said to people don't ignore stuff you know i'm I'm one of those people i should things like Kairos, when you having that kind of regular adjustment to making sure you just you're on top of stuff we we send a lot of our members your way again if we if they've got little niggles and stuff and the majority of them who sort of listen to us and go and do it come back and after their treatment end up a being you know being able to move better the pain sort of subsides and stuff but they become more aware of what's causing their injuries and then how to manage it um and i think definitely see people who do it regularly we see them with less injuries than anybody else because it's you know training can sometimes get a bad stigma because everyone feels that injury in training but the reality is especially in covid times just sat at a desk hunched over you know eight nine ten hours a day without getting up and moving so being able to see someone regularly and having those adjustments to make sure that you're not letting that kind of build up and therefore create an injury at the end of it is, um, yeah, in our is vital.
1: That's so good. I mean, two points I wanted to bring uh, bring up with that is that you, because you're all about community, there's nothing better than actually having a chiropractor train with you in that
0: community
1: oh, yeah with Sammy. Um, and therefore you've got that kind of value add as well, I guess, whereby when someone comes in, well, to, to you and you're training with them, and you can see they can't do something because of a pain or a problem. Then you have this kind of direct link to be yeah. able. That must be like such a, a cool experience for some of your members to be able to know that it's a there's a tried and tested person just in the neighbourhood. You know.
0: Yeah, and it's a it's a trust thing as well. I think the big one of my bugbears about trainers is that, I guess they're not that, I guess they're not aware of their limitations or their their ego's too big to. To let their clients flow so we've always said like i know quite a bit about how the body should move and, and where pain's potentially coming from but i also know my limitations so i'll advise our clients you know, from experience if you're getting pain here it's more than likely going to be for one of these three reasons however i suggest you go and see a chiropractor and have a look at this and i think when you clients buy into that trust system of okay actually i quite like they're not you know spinning me a line here and just trying to keep me training get my money when you're actually quite honest and say listen i'm pretty sure it's probably going to be this but i'd rather you go and see someone that knows a little bit more in depth than i do most of the time it comes back and it's it's similar but yeah having that like anything having that kind of network of people where you've got trusted people you can go and send them to and then have that conversation backwards and forwards as well because for us it's vitally important as coaches to better speak to someone and say listen what have you found what do we need to avoid and also what do we need to do more of to make sure that a they don't get re-injured and b we're kind of rebuilding them back so again we've always been very honest that this is this is what we do this is who we are this is where our limitations are but we will also speak to the kairos to find out what we need to do to make sure you're you know doing better
1: and the the second thing I was going to pick up on what you said is the fact that, you know, yeah, sometimes we're not the miracle workers, right? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? issue, <laughs> it can take six months or even longer to yeah. kind of unwind that, you know? And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's nice that you've come through out the other side of that, having committed to it and seen that that, you know, it's not like taking a pill or sort of having a surgical procedure. It's, it's uh, trying to restore function or take pressure off things or, or retrain our body in, in how to move differently.
0: But, but you, you must see it as well. It? We get it in every part of our industry. Someone comes in and wants, and this is why we don't sell quick fixes or 30-day programs or you know, transformations, because everybody comes in and they have that, that focus of, I want it now they're failing to see that they didn't become overweight or they didn't become unfit, or They didn't become stiff overnight. It's taken years and years and years of, you know, doing the same thing that's got them into position. So for them to suddenly think I just going to take one session and I'll be back to where I wanted to be. You're like, yeah, but it's taken you five years to get to that place in the, in the first place. But again, that's really hard to market to someone when you go, mm, it's not going to take you one session. So, uh,
1: Hey, um, Let's just turn direction slightly. I just got a couple of specific questions. Give us your opinion of this whole government strategy of closing gyms to help the of the nation.
0: Uh, um, Feel free. Uh, I yeah, it's a difficult one. I, I don't. I, I don't envy the government. I wouldn't want to be in their position. Um, it's also very difficult to. I guess make rules about a uh, an industry when you have so many different parts of that industry. So we are completely different to a fitness first, who is completely different to a David Lloyd, etc., etc., etc. For us, the business hasn't changed. We we've always booked people in via a diary, so we always know who's in the gym at what time, and they're there for a set hour. Um, So we we have all that control, but that's very difficult. You know, as a government, they don't have the time to come in and say, "Okay, well." this gym and that gym and that gym can stay open because X, Y, and Z. The biggest thing for us is there's, it's been proven that like the case load is something like 0.34 par a hundred thousand visits. It, it, it is so low. that um, It seems ludicrous that they are, they are shutting gyms. And now obviously we're now getting really good news that we're going to be open in all tiers, but there was also some gray area in that where they say, okay, well group classes can't go ahead in tier three. Let's go, okay, well, we do semi private personal training which isn't one-to-one so how is that class is that classes still we can open or is that classes we can't open yeah. but it's just it, to me it doesn't really make sense and i think a lot of that comes down to again i mean when you don't have somebody within the industry that i guess keeps themselves fit and healthy and understands the importance of a gym like ourselves where it's not just about the training but it's also about the community aspect of that and the mental health side of it it's very difficult and people come to gyms for one reason to to come in for their hour to stay fit and to stay healthy whereas when you go to a pub you go in there with one reason to go in to get unfit unhealthy have a laugh and so it's it's just I mean I, I don't know I, I can't I have a friend, a really close friend from home is the CEO of SimSpa. So I speak to her quite a lot about it because she's dealing directly. She just said, if the industry, the fitness industry disappears, it's going to cost the NHS nine and a half billion extra a year because the the difference with what the fitness industry makes to stop people going to see their GPs and everything else is huge. And I think, unfortunately, in this industry, as PTs, we, we sometimes don't get given um, – I guess the kind of I don't know if respect's the right word, but people still think it's a bit of a joke industry. I've, you know, I, throughout my career i have had people say when I've said to them on the PT, they say, oh, so you didn't fancy getting a real job. Yeah. Well you know, and I know it's tongue in cheek, but the reality is we are the first line of defense between you being unwell and having to see a GP or you not. And yet people still don't really appreciate that and actually. We can stop you from ever having to see a doctor for illness and everything else, because if we help you look after your body, that likelihood decreases. So when you look at that from that we're in a, a pandemic, which is about people getting ill, it doesn't make sense. The government are then going, I'll well, tell you what, the one place we know can help, we're going to shut down. And well, the-
1: that's a great point you've made and I don't think I've even thought about it in that regard but both the small business and the bigger businesses like the Nuffields or whoever they are they're everyone's going to be hurting right and so there's yeah yeah less gyms and so therefore there will be less people doing exercise probably because there are less gyms and the ones that are there are going to be busier, but uh, I think it'll be harder to access, and, and probably will affect the health of the nation. So it's not a very good but it's long. It's also game.
0: difficult. No, and also everybody—not everybody has the luxury of being able to do a Zoom workout at home. I mean, you can—you can go. It's amazing. right? you can go online, and, and Instagram's a whole—a whole another whole topic. But you can go online and get free, really good workouts. But you might not have the ability to do that because if you live in a small flat with a partner and kids. And they're all working and homeschooling, then it's not as easy as saying, oh well, listen, the gyms are closed, but you can you can still train outdoors. Well, okay, it's 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 four thirty or it's ten to five and it's pitch black. So you've just you know you've just given the kids dinner. do you really want to go and stand at a park on your own in the middle of London just to get an hour's training? So it's just it's such a short-sighted view. But then I can't I also understand it's you know, it's very difficult to look at the industry as a whole and give it and not give it a blanket statement. But, I mean, we're, we're tempted to kind of speak to the local government um, or the local councils to say, look, come down and see what we do. Have a look at how COVID secure we are as a gym. Understand what we do as a as a, as a community gym, not just for health and fitness, but for the mental health of people. And, you know, we've gone above and beyond and how we make people come in and, and it's track and traced and there's hand sanitizers everywhere and everyone gets their own bit of kit, et cetera, et cetera. So, we almost need to lobby the kind of local MPs to say, look, come and instead of just abiding by the rules, come and have a look at what we do and then make your decisions from there. But hey, I could change the world if I had the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give us a, a thought fire, quick pet hate of the gym. What's, your, what's the thing that you hate seeing people do at the gym or in the park? The, the...
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, where do I start? Uh, bad technique, bad form is. Our technique is the worst thing there is no excuse these days to just actually there are a lot of excuses but you can literally go online and find decent instructors these days again social media social media there's there's loads of positives and loads of negatives about it but the positives are there is amazing content being put out by some phenomenal trainers on a daily basis so you can go out technique i just go and see some people and i'm like oh What's the
1: what's the best thing people should do for a healthy, say, lower back?
0: Oh, core, core, build strength in your core. Nice. Everybody, and, and also see a chiropractor. Perfect. <laughs>
1: I'll sort you out for later.
0: <clears throat> uh,
1: <laughs> um. Well, look. I think I don't know. I mean, uh, we've. Uh, I knew this conversation would be pretty much like getting the the car on the M four on a clear runway day and just <laughs> on it, you know. Um, and uh, even though I don't know you that well, uh, I know the the philosophies we have are basically pretty well aligned. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, is there anything else that you think we should cover? Um, I'd love to hear. Uh, you touched on the Instagram thing. <laughs> Influences and the health maybe pt slash six-pack bikini clad influencers give us your opinion on that whole thing
0: i'll give you a shortened version otherwise we could get another whole, a whole another hour out of it um listen i think i've said it before i think social media is a phenomenal tool it's been it's, it's amazing for us as a business for us to say come onto our social media and you can see exactly who trains with us what kind of person they are what our ethos is and you'll know straight away whether or not you feel like you'll fit in there you'll either know if it's for you or it's not and that that is amazing and there's amazing people creating amazing content it's all free and you can learn anything you want these days the flip side of that is there are people building followings that that then become people of influence right who are literally just selling the way they look and this perfection that, you know, we all know isn't real. It's this kind of um, a highlight, really, of people's lives, even more so. So you've got people just posing in all these photos with then a caption underneath that has, like, nothing to do with it. And you think, well, either just admit that you like the way you look and you want a bit of an ego boost, and that's why that's why you're doing it, but don't try and do this really deep and meaningful pose when there's you with, like, a skinny tea teetox, like... A tea talks, like Ah, and then it's like a deep and meaningful post after. That's my biggest, my biggest bug of it. It's because if you put me and Dave, we've got 10 plus years of experience working with clients from every walk of life. Okay, we've got two businesses or three businesses under our belt. But if you put us in a room versus someone that's got two hundred thousand followers, the first thing someone's gonna do is, well, they obviously know more than you two because they've got two hundred thousand followers. And you're like, or maybe we just don't care about instagram as much as they do and our brand is different like i don't really care about my brand anymore i care about evolve and our uh, evolve coach academy they're the two things i care about and at some point i don't want to be a part of that in the same capacity that i am now so if we build that solely around our personalities it's you know, it's difficult to kind of take that step back but suddenly these people who've got no qualifications, who are there just to, I mean, sex is always sold, but more so now than ever. But you've got, you know, 10, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old people looking at perfection and then deleting their own photos because they don't get enough likes. And I'm like, that to me, I grew up in a village, that's like me building something in my back garden at 12 years old and running around the village finding 100 random people just for them to come and look at it and go, is that all right? Is that, does that look okay? And that that baffles me. And it's just it's creating uh, – it's just, like, the, the kind of – the detriment to people's mental health is just getting worse and worse because you're just – literally, every single day, you are just slammed with perfection, perfection, perfection. And if you don't look like you think you should look, all it does is make you feel worse about yourself. So it's just – I think it's amazing but it's just I grew up without it so I have the ability to step back and see it for what it is at times but unfortunately the generation behind me have never had have never not had it so all they see now is well all I've got to do is if I just take my top off or if I just put a bikini on I can become an influencer and then I can get paid 500 pound a post yeah so
1: yeah and unfortunately So, the, the, you know, the algorithm uh, somehow detects what clothing you're wearing and you get in front of thousands more people yeah. clothes on as opposed to your clothes off. On,
0: yeah.
1: Or off. Anyway, hey, look, the gold is right at the very end of this conversation. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure we get kicked off uh, after an hour live, <laughs> right? Uh they're, they do put a limit to the amount of waffle that can be done. So <laughs> I do like to waffle, I apologize. <laughs> no, it's good. As I said, look that the insight towards social media there at the end, I think is uh, you know, this isn't about social media, but it was um it's definitely a worry, isn't it, for yeah. a lot of different people out there. So Yeah, I
0: do I, I feel for I do feel for kids who uh you know 10 11 and you know we've got instagram now we've got tiktok and i just hope that at some point someone somewhere is going to look at it all and say this isn't good for society this isn't good for people's mental health it's it's a great platform for learning everything else but let's try and control it in a slightly better way because the ironic thing is social media makes everybody less social it's meant to bring us all together but in fact it's you know people have never never been more depressed or never had less connections an actual human connection because there's people don't know how to talk anymore they can they can whatsapp and voice note and everything else but you put people in front of each other and they're like uh i don't know what to do anymore. (laughs) i'm stuck where's my filter all
1: right well let's just uh bring on 2021 and normality hey so good yeah ash mate thank you very much for joining the conversation absolute pleasure the Cairo London get on down to see Ash and Evolve especially those guys in our Fulham and Putney communities uh and check out the academy too we didn't even talk yes about the academy, but that sounds great so um but yeah I think I probably should end this before we get kicked off mate cool Craig thanks so much okay bye-bye see you later